Our society promotes fatness, stupidity, and laziness, all subsidized by the government. Hunter Biden's attorney admits his incriminating texts about Joe are real, and full audio of Donald Trump talking about his classified documents emerges. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, folks, the federal government and our media and our society at large have decided that it is very, very important that we promote fatness and stupidity and laziness. There's a fascinating piece out by Ryan Burge, who's a, study, who's a scholar on religion and marriage, over at his Substack or his blog, graphsaboutreligion.com, in which he examines the fact that the kind of key identifiers of success in the world generally exist among the religious population in the United States, and they are declining among everybody else. And this is sort of a fascinating phenomenon to look at. There are a bunch of charts that he puts up to show this. So, for example, he puts up a chart showing that as education increases, religious practice or religious belief also increases to a certain extent, which is sort of the reverse of what we've been told. The reason that this is the case is because he's talking about not just people who identify as atheist or agnostic. He's talking about people who identify as none of the above. So when you look at people who are not religious in any way or people who just are disassociated from religion, what you find is the people with some high school education, 32% of them are, are, are believe in none, right, in, in these polls. 28% of high school graduates are, are a nun. 26% of people went to trade school, but by the time you get to a master's degree, only 20% of people who have a master's are nuns, right? The nuns are people who suggest, of course, that they have no belief in religion or they're just unassociated with religion entirely. Not just atheists and agnostics, but people who say none. So as Ryan Burge points out, the trend is unmistakable. Those who are most likely to attend services weekly are those with a graduate degree. Those least likely to, to attend are those with a high school diploma or less. And one of the other things that that correlates with is income. So what you will see is that the share of people who attend weekly by education and income level, the more educated you are, the more income you have, the more likely you are to attend church on a regular basis, which is precisely the reverse of what society tells you, what the media tell you. What the media tell you is that it's the most educated among us who never go to church, and it's the least educated among us who always go to church. And that actually is not true. When you identify that with marital status, what you find is that married people go to religious services weekly at a far higher rate than people of any other marital status. So what that means is that the people who are at your local church are probably, in your community, the best educated, the most likely to be married, and the most likely to be parents as well. Because what you find is that the share of people who attend weekly religious services based on marital and parental status, by far, people who are married and parents attend religious services far more clearly. So here's the thing. Take religion out of the mix for a second. The identifiers of success in American life, married, kids, high income, education, those are now correlating extremely highly with religious practice. This is the point that Ryan Burge is making, and he's right. He says the results are hard to ignore and should sound some major alarms for any person of faith concerned about the large state of American society. Increasingly, religion has become the enclave for those who have lived a quote-unquote proper life. College degree, middle-class income, married with children. If you check all those boxes, the likelihood of you regularly attending church is about double the rate of folks who don't. So Ryan reads that as a critique of the church. The church needs to be more welcoming and it needs to find ways to reach out to people who are not married, people who don't have middle-class income, people who are not college-educated. But there's a way to read this in reverse, and that is that the rules that the elite of our society, marital elite, the parental elite, the income elite, the educational elite, have applied to themselves are very different than the rules that they have promulgated to the rest of society. And you see this very clearly in the social science data. Charles Murray wrote a phenomenal book called Coming Apart, 
probably a decade and a half ago, in which he examined differences among white communities because he's been ripped up and down for talking about racial disparities. So he decided to do a book talking about sociological differences within white communities. And he segregated out two separate white communities. One, I believe he called Newtown, one was called Fishtown. Newtown was like the high income group. The high income group had people generally who were married, generally people who had kids, generally people who were involved in social institutions, and people who were low income were the opposite. Now, if you look at the media, or if you look at the way the government treats this, it's precisely the opposite. They pretend that the people who are most likely to be successful in our society are single female Berkeley graduates with no children who hate God and hate the church. Those are the people who are most likely to be successful if you watch TV. But those in real life are not the people who are actually successful. In other words, the message that society is promulgating is precisely the opposite of reality. And that has real world consequences because it bleeds down to the people who are aspiring to be at the top of the hierarchy in American society. It's a point that that you can see throughout American history. There is always sort of a group of people that everyone aspired to be. If you go back to the 1930s, for example, I've used this example before. If you look at pictures from the Great Depression of people who are waiting in line at at food distribution centers, at charity services, there are people who are wearing suits. If you look at today's billionaires, they dress like schlubs. The aspirational has now become an aspiration to kind of be the, the, the lowest common denominator, as opposed to the aspiration is to be the highest. Well, here's the thing. Whenever people see people who are successful and everybody knows what success is, we can all pretend we don't know what success is. We know what success looks like. Successful marriage, successful raising of children, successful in your community, successful in terms of income, successful in terms of education. We all know what that looks like. We as a society have decided that because we don't like the results of that, we're going to pretend that the measuring stick doesn't exist. But the measuring stick does exist and we all know about the measuring stick. And so innately, we look to the people who are successful by all those measures in our society. And those people used to be loud and proud about what it was that they did in their personal lives, what it was they believed. But now they've decided that the measure of true virtue is to do precisely the opposite. The measure of true virtue is to say, sure, I live that way. Sure, you know, I don't send my kid to a public school. I send my kid to a private school. Sure, I'm married. Sure, I got an education. Sure, I followed all the rules that a traditional religious society would actually have me follow. Sure, but, but you know what? Because I'm an elite, I'm going to promulgate a new morality that includes you. Now, the, the dirty secret about this is that what that really is, is it's a form of ugly paternalism in which people at the top are saying that people at the bottom are incapable of rising. And that's not true. It's not true. The same things that got people at the top to the top are the things that can take anyone to the top. But we have a society that's now dedicated to the opposite proposition, that there is some sort of injustice in the measuring stick itself. And thus, we are no longer even going to shoot for the things that we all know to be good and true. And here's the thing. Once you remove the measuring stick, what you end up with is chaos. You don't end up with equality. You end up with just turmoil and chaos and unsuccess because you are subsidizing lack of success by removing the measuring stick for success. And all these things, these rules are clear. Go to church, get married, have kids, get a job, finish your education, right? These rules are all very clear. We've known about, there's nothing new here. We've known about these rules for at least a couple of hundred years. There's nothing new in terms of a mobile American society from unsuccess to success. But we have decided at the elite levels of American government, and American media to obliterate all of those rules and pretend that we have done somebody some good. And it's precisely the opposite. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, it takes a special kind of company to want to partner with this show. There are a lot of companies afraid to partner with shows like this one that give you the truth, the unvarnished fact. Well, Pure Talk is not one of those companies. I'm proud to stand behind companies that actually are proud to stand behind the show, which is why I'm proud to stand behind Pure Talk. They make it possible for me to get up here and bring you the show every day. Pure Talk shares my values. They share the values of Matt Walsh, Brett Cooper, Candace Owens, and the rest of the Daily Wire hosts. 
which is why they are the official wireless partner of Daily Wire. That's not the only reason. We checked the coverage. It is indeed premium. Pure Talk is the most dependable 5G network in the United States, which is why I use it myself. Mix and match your plans to fit every person in your family. Choose from talk, text, and 5G data for just 20 bucks a month, all the way up to unlimited data with mobile hotspot for 55 bucks a month. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you and switch on over to Pure Talk today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. Don't spend your money on a bunch of cell phone coverage companies that really don't like you very much. Instead, give your money to Pure Talk. You'll get the best coverage available. And you'll also be giving it to a company that actually backs a lot of the principles you believe in. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. Alrighty, so the precise opposite of the things that bring success are the things that our society promotes. So to take a stupid example, our culture promotes people like Cardi B. Okay, Cardi B, I've ripped on her before because I think that she's a perfect example of virtually everything wrong with our society. She is a rapper who used to be a stripper who bragged on tape about drugging and robbing men. And she also happens to be a person who is deemed by our society as the height of sex appeal. That sexual satisfaction is supposed to be attained by acting like Cardi B or by imitating Cardi B. But the reality is that if Cardi B lives Cardi B's values, she ends up very unhappy. So Cardi B is married to a person named Offset. These were both of their given names. They both came out of their mothers and Cardi B's mom said, I shall call her Cardi B. And Offset's mother said, I shall call him Offset. I don't know why why not. Onset, but Offset shall be his name. And, um, And then these two lovebirds married one another. And they've had a rather fraught relationship. And this is the model, by the way, for literally millions of people in the United States. The thing that we used to model in the United States was, you know, a solid marriage that lasted for an entire lifetime in which you were dedicated to the upraising of your children. But Cardi B's marriage is now splashed across page six. So the latest claim within the beautiful marriage that Cardi B has presented, you know, again, she's the height of sex appeal. She can't keep her husband dining in, but she's the height of sex appeal. She, um, She took to Twitter spaces Monday to address her husband Offset's claim that she effed another man. So apparently he put up a, um, an Instagram post, which is really just a delight. By the way, they have two kids, which this is all going to play amazing for the kids. She put up an, he put up an Instagram post that says, my wife effed a N-word on me, gang. Y'all N-words know how I come. And then he uh, apparently took that down, but she responded to that. She said, first of all, let me say, you can't accuse me of all the things you know you are guilty of. Sing it with me, y'all. And I see that it is easy for you to blame everything on me. Yes, honey. Listen, she went on, speaking directly to her listeners. Don't pay attention to that country man, y'all. So here is Cardi B talking in um, 
the most eloquent terms about the state of her marriage. Don't pay attention to that country, man, y'all. Don't pay attention to the country, man. That spaces the other day got my spiraling and thinking shit. Come on now. I'm fing Cardi B now. I think sometimes my forget I'm Cardi B. If I was giving this seat to anybody, it will be out. I'm not just anybody. Can't me no regular degular schmegler, cause they gonna tell the world. I don't even know how to translate that. In any case, this is the this is what is presented by the upper echelons of our culture as high culture. Okay, we have to stop pretending that this is quote unquote low culture in the United States because it's not. Okay, this sort of stuff is promoted by every major media outlet in the United States. It is promoted by every single major streaming service in the United States. It is promoted as the height of American culture. You are literally not supposed to say things like this stuff is ugly and bad and her music sucks. You're not allowed to say that sort of stuff without people going crazy on you. That the message is promulgated by people like Cardi B or for that matter, Nicki Minaj, that this music is garbage and that it actually is promoting harmful messages. Instead, we are supposed to pretend that it's a form of female empowerment and that people who follow its TikToks are likely to lead happier lives. Well, here's the problem. Cardi B is not leading a particularly happy marital life. The people who are leading happy marital lives are boring fuddy-duddies. The people who are being promoted by our society as the models of marriage are people like Cardi B. Obviously, these are the things that, that actually matter. It's a society that promotes stupidity. It's a society that promotes failed marriages or not getting married at all. I mean, I'll give it to Cardi B. At least she actually got married. Okay, 70% of kids who are born in the black community today are born out of wedlock. 40% of kids in the white community, by the way, are born out of wedlock today. Now, as we'll discuss in a moment, none of that happens in a vacuum. You actually have to have a supporting governmental structure to, to promote all of that. But that's not the only thing that we're promoting. So we're promoting stupidity in relationships. And we are also promoting fatness, right? Because we have decided that we're going to obliterate all the measuring sticks. So here's the thing. Again, we all know innately what success looks like. Success, when it comes to marriage, looks like you marry a person, you love that person, you stay with them until you die, you bring up kids with that person. Your relationship deepens over time. We all know what success looks like. It's not a big mystery. And yes, there is an ideal. And it's not insulting to people who don't meet the ideal to point out that the ideal exists. Okay, but the same thing exists in the physical realm. We have decided that it's very, very mean and very, very bad to point out that people should, for example, be in shape. So there's an entire article by a person named Daniel Pinnock about Lizzo. So again, we're focusing a lot on culture today, but here's the reality. Okay, I mean, I've looked at the, at the, at the actual numbers in the United States. The number of people who form their values based on sheer politics in the United States is very low. Most people do not get their values inculcated to them by watching Fox News or by watching shows like this one. That's just not the way that it works. That's not what the numbers show. Most people get their values from either the local institutions in which they participate, which would normally be a church, or if they don't get it from the church, they're getting it from their surrounding milieu, which is usually social media. And yes, culture, like Cardi B, has many, many, many more fans and followers than I will ever have because she is in the cultural realm. And the same thing is true of Lizzo. And so when you have an entire media infrastructure dedicated to the proposition that being extremely overweight is actually a sign of health and beauty, what do you think you're going to get? You're incentivizing people to participate in that sort of behavior. We'll get to more of that momentarily first. If you run a small business, important to plan ahead. One of the best ways to do that, use stamps.com to mail and ship. We've been using stamps.com at Daily Wire since 2017 because we don't like to waste our time or our money. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office. It's ready to go in just minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, they automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. Get access to the shipping services you need to run your business directly from your computer. No lines, no traffic, and no waiting. You can print postage wherever you do business. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get started. 
Set up your business for success the way we did here at Daily Wire by getting started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial for free, plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click that microphone at the top of the page, enter code Shapiro to get started with Stamps.com. Again, no reason to schlep all your packages down to the post office. Just do it all from your office and save time and save money. Stamps.com. Go check them out right now. Okay, so there is a piece by Daniel Pinnock, an actress, writer, and comedian, and star of the CBS sitcom Ghosts, and the creator of the one-woman show, Body Slash Courage. Oh, man. Will it be more stunning, or will it be more brave? She has a piece over at the Washington Post titled, What the Fat Shamers Don't Get About Lizzo. And um, she says this, I understand why Lizzo took a beat from Twitter. Last month, the Emmy and Grammy-winning multi-hyphenate artist, a classically trained flute-playing rapper, singer, songwriter, actress, and fashion mogul, was under attack again from internet trolls bombarding her with vicious messages about her weight. This time, it got so bad she locked down her Twitter account, writing, y'all don't know how close I be to giving up on everyone and quitting. I, I don't think that that was phrased in, in sort of the Shakespearean, the, the sort of old English. Y'all don't know how close I be. And I don't think that's what she's going. Anyway, Lizzo embraces inclusivity for everyone who has a body. Everyone who has a body, as opposed to what, the bodiless? I mean, <laughs> who are the people who don't have a body? Why isn't she including them? She chants the mantra of body positivity for all humans, not just the fat ones. Her songs, including Good As Hell and Truth Hurts, have resonated with millions of people as anthems of empowerment and self-acceptance. Ah, self-acceptance and empowerment. Now, here's, here's the reality. If you want a path to unsuccess, you should follow the pathway of empowerment and self-acceptance. Great way to fail in life. Empowerment, empowerment and self-acceptance means that you say that you are fine just as you are. No one, no one, saints should not be fine just as they are. The best people are people who are always striving to better themselves and to better the people around them. You should not feel empowered just being you. You shouldn't wake up in the morning feeling, I am my best me. You are not your best you. There is a better you out there. And it's just a short distance away if you strive to change yourself. And it's, again, when it comes to the treadmill of life, the treadmill is moving underneath you. If you're standing still, you're moving backwards. Either you're moving forwards or you're falling off the treadmill. But empowerment and self-acceptance, quote, she lives freely and unapologetically. Ah, oh, this sort of language makes me just want to vomit. Freely and unapologetically, as opposed to living in chains apologetically, whether twerking on the beach with her besties or modeling stylish crop tops from her shapewear brand, Yitty. But for years, Lizzo has faced backlash from people made uncomfortable by her unabashed acceptance of herself, who'd rather see her concealed in oversized cardigans and potato sacks. I love that the alternatives here are uh, potato sacks or thongs. I feel like there's a, a whole wide range, a magical range of clothing that fits between potato, potato sacks and, and thongs. What about her weight? People say she's promoting obesity. No, she isn't. There's a difference between endorsing obesity and practicing self-love. Um, well, not when she her self-love involves promoting obesity. And there is a fairly high crossover right there. When most people think of obesity, says this columnist, perhaps they think of skyrocketing BMIs or overweight people with chronic diseases or TV shows such as My 600 Pound Life or The Biggest Loser. Lizzo is not promoting any of that. She is just trying to exist while lifting others up. That's such a lie, by the way. She says the new standard of beauty is Lizzo. And so does the media. The media say Lizzo is a beautiful, beautiful woman. She's beautiful at whatever her weight is. She's got to be at least 150 pounds overweight. But it doesn't matter because, again, this is the new standard. Now, I have a question. Is it a recipe for your success to imitate Lizzo's actions? I love that this, this lady tries to turn Lizzo into a, a sort of fitness guru. Guru, she got me back in the gym, says this columnist. Seeing someone who looks like me, not ashamed or hating her body while exercising, changed my entire perspective on fitness. 
Did, did it though? As opposed to saying to yourself, may, maybe we actually should not look like that. And the way to not look like that is not just to go to the gym. It's to actually change our diets. Caloric deficit is a real thing. But again, our culture says, does he even say such things? It's judgmental and very, very bad. And then you wonder why there's a backlash that comes in the form of some of the stupidest presidential campaigning in human history and people resonating to it. So RFK Jr. is running for the presidency. He's going about 20% in the primary polls versus Joe Biden. And the reason for that is because Joe Biden is a doddering elderly gentleman who looks like he is going to literally keel over and die in front of us. RFK Jr. is uh, a person who has expressed a number of wild theories and then also does a campaign where he takes off his shirt at the age of 70, pretty clearly on testosterone replacement therapy for whatever it's worth, and uh, and looks pretty ripped and then does some push-ups. And people were like fawning over this yesterday. And so we can laugh at it. And it is funny. I mean, President, can you imagine... Abraham Lincoln doing this as part of a presidential campaign be weird, be real weird. Calvin Coolidge just strip buffing down, very strange. But is there a reason that this is receiving some sort of a support? The answer is yes, because if the alternatives are 70-year-old RFK Jr. and like a prison yard doing workout or Lizzo twerking while fat, American society knows what better, better shape looks like. We can pretend we don't. Here was RFK Jr. yesterday. Let's go. There he is, seven-year-old dude doing push-ups. And, and honestly, for a seven-year-old dude, this is this is pretty impressive. Now, it is his final set, so uh, he, he said he had to tweet out that this was actually his last set because he only got like eight push-ups there. But it, it, it doesn't matter. The, this, this went viral, and the reason this went viral is, number one, he's a seven-year-old dude in really good shape, and also because it is a backlash to a society that says that it is actively good to ignore your weight, that it is actively good to ignore standards, now, none of this could be promoted in any sort of scenario where the government didn't support it because it would turn out that unsuccess would lead to, for example, lack of income. Lack of success in these various bad decision-making would have consequences, but we've constructed an entire utopian world in which bad activities, stupid decisions, actually end up being rewarded by the government because we're supposed to treat bad decisions with sympathy the same way that we would some sort of medical condition. We'll get to that momentarily first. We have a dog. Our dog's name is Happy, and Happy is a delight. Happy is a wonderful doggy, and our kids love him very much, which is why we want Happy to live a long and healthy life, and that is why we give him rough greens every morning. The dog food you've been giving your dog is dead food. It doesn't have that much nutritional value because, you know, brown, but rough greens is green. It boosts Happy's food back to life. It can do the same for your dog as well. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle some rough greens on their food every single day. It contains all the necessary vitamins and minerals your dog is not getting from their regular dog food. Happy loves his Rough Greens. That is, that is why he is a joyous and happy dog. Rough Greens is the only supplement your dog will ask for by name. Rough Greens, you get it? It's a, it's a joke. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, he's the founder of Rough Greens, is so confident this product will improve your dog's health. He is offering my listeners a free jumpstart trial bag. Go to freeroughgreens.com slash Ben. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. That's free, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Ben today or call 833-MY-DOG-33. That's 833-MY-DOG-33. 33. Okay, all of this brings us to the collapse of the institutions that were supposed to prevent this sort of thing, and also to the building up of institutions that support the destruction of, of decent measures. So I have to say that I'm a non-Catholic, but I'm a member of Western civilization, which means that I have a pretty strong stake in the papacy. The Pope happens to have dominion over a billion people. What he says matters an awful lot. And Pope Francis has been doing an absolutely horrendous job, actually, of guarding the values that he is supposed to be guarding as the Pope. 
As a religious person, I would prefer to see Judeo-Christian religion flourish because I think that Judeo-Christian religion has been the single greatest force undergirding a system of morality that allows for the values that create success. Well, apparently, according to Fortune magazine, Pope Francis praised artists on Friday as true visionaries who can see, dream, and invent as he welcomed 200 artists, filmmakers, and writers into the Sistine Chapel to mark the 50th anniversary of the Vatican Museum's contemporary art collection. Francis acknowledged that some in the crowd, there was Andres Serrano of Piss Christ fame, sometimes used confrontation make people think, but he said their aim was to find harmony and beauty. You want to reveal reality also in its contradictions and in those things that it is more comfortable and convenient to keep hidden, Francis said. Like the biblical prophets, you confront things that at times are uncomfortable. You criticize today's false myths and new idols, its empty talks, the ploys of consumerism, the schemes of power. So that is presumably why you invite a person who literally put a crucifix in a jar of urine and called it art. It's hard to think of anything more self-defeating than that. And many of our chief religious institutions have been doing sort of the same thing. They've been mirroring the desires of the elites instead of mirroring the values that allow elites to become elites in the first place and give access to that elite status to literally everyone. They're helping the elites destroy the ladder of success that got them where they are by following the the values of modernity that are a complete fail. Meanwhile, as I say, all of that has to be subsidized by some government, and that is what Joe Biden is doing. So Joe Biden is now trotting out a new thing. It is called Bidenomics. What exactly is Bidenomics? Apparently, Bidenomics is we just spray money at pretty much everything. Bidenomics is all about ensuring that people who make bad decisions are subsidized. And that's true in the economic sphere. If you get into an industry that's failing, then presumably the Biden administration is going to hold you up. If you are a person who is on food stamps and you don't want to work, the Biden administration tries to hold you up, right? These, these are all very important things for Bidenomics to push. According to Politico, this is a pivot into a new campaign message censored on Bidenomics shorthand for the administration's economic strategy of, quote, boosting the middle class through government investments rather than stimulative tax cuts focusing on the wealthy. So here's the difference, by the way, between a government investment rather than a stimulative tax cut. A tax cut is where you pay less taxes. And then you are rewarded or punished accordingly for your good or bad decision-making. Right? Because what you do with your money is now your fault. Right? What I do with my money, if I make a bad investment, I pay the price for that. If the government takes my money and invests it in something bad, then presumably I still pay the price for it, but you don't pay the price for it in some, in some way. And if you are at the bottom end of the scale and you're not paying taxes, then you really don't pay the price for it. Instead, you're just taking money out of somebody else's pocket. This is Bidenomics. Senior Biden advisors Anita Dunn and Mike Donilon wrote in a new memo, quote, implementing that economic vision and plan, decisively turning the page on the era of trickle-down economics has been the defining project of the Biden presidency. So they're talking about Bidenomics. That's the thing that, that really matters. So what exactly is Bidenomics? Bidenomics, again, is redistribution of income through various governmental means and subsidization of political allies. That's the story of the American federal government really since the FDR days, but more importantly, since the war on poverty, which has utterly restructured American society along the lines of promoting fat, stupid, and lazy. that You, you now get paid by the federal government to make bad decisions. And here was Karine Jean-Pierre promoting the phrase Bidenomics. This, is, this apparently is their new, uh, again, I'm not sure how they think that makes it more popular since Joe Biden is very unpopular president. Thanks, Karine. I wanted to ask you about this uh, new Bidenomics messaging push. Can you just give me a sense first of, you know, how did you guys coin that phrase, or why did you decide to go with that branding going forward? You don't like Bionomics? No, I'm just asking. I'm I curious. I think it's pretty clever. It's pretty good. Um, look, um, it makes 
good sense, Bidenomics, right? It kind of flows off the tongue really well. Uh, but in all seriousness, look, what you're going to hear from the president, I don't want to get ahead of him. I think we've kind of laid out a little bit of what uh, what we what we are thinking uh, or what we think the president's going to lay out or what he is going to lay out. Uh, certainly it's a vision, right? It's a vision about growing the economy. No, the, the actual vision, it is pretty clear, is not about growing the economy. It's about restructuring American society. And Joe Biden's been very clear about this. He says that equity undergirds everything that he seeks to do, including presumably Bidenomics. Equity is the lie that if we simply redistribute all income, then justice will be done. Equity is the idea. It's different than equality. Equity is the idea that no matter what bad decisions you make, if there is a disparity, it is a result of American discrimination and the evils of our system. So the system itself must be restructured. And again, we've been talking about this in terms of marital morality. We've been talking about it in terms of weight. And it's certainly true in terms of income and education level as well. And then you wonder why the education system is failing. It's because of precisely this mentality. Again, what the difference between the elites of today and the elites of yesterday in the United States is the elites of yesterday used to say, here's a series of rules that we followed and that everyone should follow. These are good rules and we should promulgate them. The elites of today say, here are a series of rules that we followed. You don't have to follow those rules because we are better than you are. We are innately more meritorious than you are. And so we could have actually bucked those rules. We could have ignored all of those rules and we still would have been successful, which means you really don't have a shot. Even if you follow those rules, you won't be successful. So we're going to restructure all of American society around the assumption that the people at the bottom rungs of the ladder, they're going to stay at the bottom rungs of the ladder, no matter what decisions they make. So they may as well make really crappy decisions that make their lives worse. What does that do? Well, it makes everybody's life worse. And that is what we are watching happening in real time. And meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to be apparently as corrupt as the day is long. A very bizarre situation. He was doing a, um, a White House presser with Modi from India. And uh, he somehow dropped a joke about selling state secrets, which is where we are now. Now we have not just presidents who, uh, who may have committed crimes, presidents who openly joke about maybe committing crimes. Yeah, honestly, if if the best crop of candidates that our country has to offer is uh, is Joe Biden on the Democratic side, Donald Trump on the Republican side and RFK Jr. as the independent candidate. I I don't even I don't even know what to what to say about that. Here, here is here is Joe Biden, a mentally defunct human being with a long history of apparent corruption. I was just thinking. Uh, uh, the, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. Oh, my God. And he says, all joking aside, I sold a lot of state secrets while you were out of the room. Can you imagine if Donald Trump joked about, you know, selling state secrets while he was president of the United States? Like, Joe Biden is so confident that the media will never, ever actually investigate this sort of stuff that he just says this kind of stuff. Now, we have Hunter Biden's attorney admitting that the WhatsApp text in which Hunter claims that Joe Biden is sitting next to him while they shake down a Chinese business person who was a front person for the Chinese government. They, like the, the attorney in Hunter Biden's case admits that that text is real. And yet apparently there are, there are no consequences to this whatsoever, which is why Joe Biden is joking about it fairly openly at this time. Now, what's truly amazing is that the lawyer's statement, according to Breitbart, came on the same day that Breitbart News reported the Biden family received $5.1 million within 10 days of Hunter Biden's message to a CCP-linked businessman who worked with Chinese energy conglomerate, CEFC Energy, according to a 2020 Senate report on the Biden family. The IRS whistleblower testimony revealed on Thursday that FBI investigators wanted to obtain the location data to confirm Joe Biden was in the room, but there's no confidence the FBI actually obtained that data. So 
again, Joe Biden is, is like openly joking about the corruption scandal that is now engulfing him in the full confidence that he will be covered up for by the media. And he's not wrong about that. Ana Navarro, the supposed Republican on The View, is out there repeating the talking point that what this whole story is about is what an amazing parent Joe Biden is. I can't tell you how much his life has been marked by losing not one child, but two children. And once you've lost a child, I think you are absolutely determined. It's even more urgent. It's even a bigger issue that you will not lose another one. The Hunter Biden story, the scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. And Joe Biden has never and will never give up on his son, son, Hunter, and will never treat him lesser than. And so he is a father first. Take it or leave it. That's who he is. That is part of his heart. There was 380 people at this at this dinner. It's not like Hunter was sitting at Merrick Garland's lap. It was a bunch of, of, of people. And, and I think part of the reason that Hunter Biden has been able to get out of addiction is because Joe Biden embraced him entirely, the entire time. Yeah. When he was vice president, when he was candidate, when he was out of office, and now as president. And I mean, of, of course, Joe Biden thinks he can get away with it. He's got the entire media parroting this garbage. The, the real story here is not whether Hunter Biden was a cutout for his dad making money. The, the real story here is that Joe Biden is an amazing, amazing parent. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, he's threatening impeachment proceedings against Attorney General Merrick Garland if the whistleblower allegations are true, that Merrick Garland shut down all indictments of Hunter Biden on felony charges in various jurisdictions. Miranda Devine says that Joe Biden met with his business partners 12 times, 12 different times and 12 different deals, perhaps. So it's according to Rob Walker, who is in on all this stuff. Good friend. He's all over uh, all over the laptop. So will this prompt you to do a impeachment inquiry? Well, you apparently don't follow me on Twitter because yesterday I laid out very, very clearly by July 6th, because of the allegations from the IRS, because of the whistleblowers and the DOJ, are, are Garland, what he is saying and what David Weiss are saying privately are two different things. Right. And if it comes true what the IRS whistleblower is saying, we're going to start impeachment inquiries on the attorney general. Well, it, because, as a matter of fact, it shows that. Yeah, that is um, you know, appropriate, but we'll see if there's any follow-up on that. Now, meanwhile, you might be thinking to yourself, well, maybe... Republicans should work on, you know, winning the presidency away from Joe Biden. Well, I have some unfortunate news for you on that score. First, the 4th of July is right around the corner. There are a lot of family gatherings we have lined up and we need to be outside grilling. But here's the thing. When you got that grill working, you need the propane. There's nothing worse than you go out to grill. You start up the propane tank and you realize it's empty. Well, this is where our friends at Cinch come in. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery system. They deliver propane tanks directly to your door on your schedule. They don't require any long-term commitment or subscription. Plus, delivery is completely contact-free. You don't have to wait around at home. Track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. The perfect summer night would not be complete without Cinch. Go to cinch.com or download that Cinch app and use promo code Shapiro to get your first tank exchange for just 10 bucks. That is C-Y-N-C-H.com. Promo code Shapiro. It's a limited time offer. You have to live within a Cinch service area to redeem it. Visit cinch.com slash offer for details. We rely on Cinch. Again, I, I'm I'm big into the grilling, not only because I love the meats, not only because we've got a bunch of great holidays coming up, but, but also because, frankly, I, I rely on that protein intake to keep me healthy. Well, Cinch makes sure that I can keep that grill going when the propane tank runs low. You should do the same thing. Sign up for Cinch right now. Track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. They will deliver that propane tank directly to your door on your schedule. No long-term commitments, no contracts. C-Y-N-C-H, 
Promo code Shapiro to get your first tank exchange for just $10. Also, when Dr. Jordan Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, that was a major win for people who champion free speech and intellectual debate. Well, he has put out more content this year. His contributions have set new standards that are unmatched by any other platform. While Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan Peterson content offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you're not going to find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspective on life. Those include vision and destiny, marriage, dragons, monsters, and men. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, like logos and literacy and Jordan's groundbreaking series on the book of Exodus. That's only the beginning. I haven't even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. It's the absolute compendium of all things Jordan-related. Plus, there's even more new exclusive content on the horizon. We're really excited about that stuff. This is only the beginning. Become a Daily Wire Plus member. You'll embark on an unforgettable experience that'll fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become a member today. Okay, meanwhile, Republicans have an opportunity to, you know, have Joe Biden not be in the White House, but they would have to run a candidate likely to defeat Joe Biden. So there's a brand new poll out from a Dem pollster called GQR. It includes leaners, you know, people who lean one way or lean another. What it finds is Biden over Trump plus two. In the swing states, it shows that Trump and Biden are essentially tied, 49-49. As far as Biden versus DeSantis, it shows DeSantis up one, 49-48. So again, very close election. But in the swing states, it shows DeSantis up 53 to 42. And if we've learned anything, it's that most states in the union, they don't really matter when it comes to the presidential election because they're going to break 60-40 or 55-45. There are a few states that really, really matter. Right? Really only a few. You're talking Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia. That's nearly a complete list. It's a very, very small list of states that is going to decide the election. So the real question is not how the candidates would do nationally, because by popular vote, Donald Trump lost both the elections in which he was involved. The, the real question is how they are going to do on the statewide level, because, of course, Donald Trump won in 2016 and then lost those states in 2020. So the real question is that. Well, here's the thing. If you wish to defeat Joe Biden, perhaps it would be good if your candidate was not embroiled in a bunch of ongoing legal dramas that involve him mainly doing dumb things. Okay, so as I've said before, two things can be true at once. There is no way that if Donald Trump were a Democrat, he would currently be prosecuted for his classified documents treatment. He just wouldn't. Hillary Clinton did stuff that was very similar, as we pointed out a thousand times, and she was not, in fact, prosecuted. Also, Donald Trump made this bed. Right? Donald Trump did a bunch of things that were incredibly stupid, and he did them on tape. So just to, one of the charges in this documents case that is now going to be tried over in Fort Pierce, which, by the way, is, is pretty good for Trump because Fort Pierce is a pretty conservative area. So you assume the jury pool is going to be more kind to Trump. But one of the allegations is that Donald Trump not only had classified material after he left the White House, which is true of like a thousand different presidents and vice presidents and various officials, but that he kept it after he was told by the Department of Justice and the National Archives to turn it back over. And then he had his lawyers go out there and attest to the FBI and the National Archives and the DOJ that he had turned over all the documents. Meanwhile, he was hiding classified documents from his own lawyers so that he could essentially play with them for no reason. Right? And again, the left went nuts on this. Yeah, Jen Psaki suggesting that Trump's theory here was that he wanted to give documents to dictators. Right? Here is Jen Psaki over on MSNBC suggesting just that. As you just alluded to, I mean, reading the itemized list of 31 documents and the clearance levels as a, as a former ranking member on the Intel Committee, yeah. Yeah. there were five eyes uh, uh, classifications there. There were some of the highest level yes. classifications. And knowing what you know about former President Donald Trump, we know he has an affection for dictators. Do you have concern, without us knowing at this point, of what he may have wanted to do with those documents? No, I don't know. Uh, but uh, what I do know is that he seriously 
jeopardized our national security. And the implication that he wanted to hand over documents to dictators or something is really, really, really stupid. But you know what else is really stupid? Keeping the documents. There's no purpose to it. And even Donald Trump kind of knows that, which is why in his interview with Brett Baer, he actually did what he very often does in these circumstances, and he fibbed. So he said to Brett Baer, there's a tape of him, and the transcript of that tape appeared in the, in the indictment. The tape was, was of him speaking to a group of women, some of whom were journalists, apparently. And it sounds like he's taking out classified documents and saying directly to them, these are classified documents. I could have declassified them when I was the president, but I did not do so, which is kind of game, set, match as far as the actual legality of his actions. If you say, I know these are classified documents, then you also know you shouldn't be holding them. And if you say, I have no power to declassify them now, which he actually says on the tape, then you know you shouldn't have them. So for the thousandth time, it could be true that the prosecution is political in the sense that if he were a Democrat, it wouldn't be happening to him. Also, why would he put a target squarely on his back this way? In any case, here was Trump telling Brett Baer that the documents he's talking about in that tape are actually just newspapers. When I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify it. That's what you said. You didn't I said declassify that. it. I, I said, no, no. I said I couldn't declassify it. I could have but that declassified wasn't a document. It. Brett, there was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories. Okay, these were newspaper stories, right? He says that on national television, knowing the government has the tape. Okay, the tape is now broken. So here's the actual tape of Donald Trump talking about those documents, right? We only had the actual text sort of transcript. Here's the actual tape. It somehow got to CNN. Of course, of course it did. Uh, how do such leaks occur? Who knows? In any case, CNN gets a hold of this uh, of this tape, and um, it turns out that he's not waving around newspapers, in all likelihood. We have obtained what is expected to be a central piece of the government's case against Donald Trump, the actual audio recording, recording of the former president talking as if he's showing a highly classified document on U.S. war plans against Iran with people not clear to even know it exists, let alone what's in it. Isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm-hmm. Except it is like highly confidential, yeah. <laughs> secret. This is secret information. But look, look at this. You attack, and Hillary would print that out all the time. You know, <laughs> send it, email. No, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner, yeah, yeah. the pervert. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying because we were talking about it, and you know, he said he wanted to attack Iron and what? He's in the papers. Oh, this was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out. A, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. Uh, now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, classified. Now, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, Um. he literally says that Hillary had papers like this and that they were probably sent to Anthony Weiner via server, which means he's not talking about newspapers. Again, should should he be under the gun for this, legally speaking? Not when Hillary isn't. I mean, again, the injustice is clear. Also, this is, I'm sorry, this is stupid. It's unbelievably stupid. Apparently, he knew he was being taped in this, in this tape recording. I, I assume that, in fact, is the case. I believe that Florida is a two-party consent state, which means that, with very few exceptions, virtually all conversations that take place that are taped in, in the state of Florida, and he was at Mar-a-Lago at the time, 
have to have the consent of both parties to the taping. So he knew a tape recorder was on. And he is so arrogant that he thought that he could say into the tape recorder, here are a bunch of classified documents that I have right here. And I, sh- I could have declassified them, but I didn't. And then he went on national TV and said that he was waving around newspapers, which he pretty obviously is not in that recording. Put aside everything else. Is this a smart thing to do? Is this a thing that is likely to win you election? Because here, here's my deal with Trump. If he's going to be the nominee, I want to see him win. And I want Joe Biden not to be president anymore. That, that, is one of my, that is my top political priority come 2024 is I do not want Joe Biden to be president of the United States come January 2025. He's a terrible president who is doing terrible things routinely, which means that if Trump is going to be the nominee, I would like to see Trump win. Is this the sort of behavior that leads one to believe that victory is, is insight, that victory is inevitability? Does it heighten your chances or lower your chances when you do this sort of stuff and you do it routinely? He could still win. I'm not saying that it's impossible for Trump to win. I learned in 2016, you never say never because never sometimes happens. With that said, is this the kind of activity that is likely to lead to excellent performance in a national election, particularly in swing states that he lost last time? I have some doubts. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to, we're nearing the end of Pride Month, but now it may turn into the summer of Pride, and then maybe the year of Pride, then maybe the decade of Pride, maybe the century of Pride, actually. First, there's a lot of leftist propaganda out there. Endless pronouns, critical race theory, sexually explicit books, and more, all easily accessible to minors, virtually all via our public education system. There are literal fights taking place in public schools right now so that school boards can make sure that your child is indoctrinated with pornography, essentially. Colleges, meanwhile, are dumbing down their courses to accommodate the average incoming freshman who can barely read and write at a seventh grade level. And this is why you should be looking at Freedom Project Academy. They have perfected online learning by offering live on-demand and homeschool courses for grades K through 12. Freedom Project Academy was built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curricula. They're dedicated to mastery of subject matter and teaching kids how to think, not what to think. Right now, you can save 10% on tuition when you enroll at freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. And a lot of people who are constantly asking about homeschool curricula and what exactly they should do with their kids, given that the public schools are a giant mess. Well, why not check out freedomforschool.com? While you're there, you can read about their teachers, preview videos about the courses, and request a free information packet. It's not worth handing over another generation to the left. Take back your child's education, freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. Again, why hand over your kids to the predations of a public school system that wishes to turn them into a good little leftist apparatchik? Instead, head on over to freedomforschool.com. Well, meanwhile, are you excited? Because you thought we were nearing the end of Pride Month. It is June 27th today. And last I recall, there are not many days left of June. And so we were like, oh my gosh, we are less than a week away from the end of Pride Month, our secular holy month in which we worship at the altar of the sin of pride. Wrong you are. It's been extended. According to our absolutely beautiful, super female, with twig and berries intact, Assistant HHS Secretary, Rachel Levine. Apparently, it's no longer just a Pride Month. It is now a, why not expand it? It's a summer of pride. Why not a year of pride, a decade of pride, a century, a millennium of pride, perhaps? Because from here until, you know, society dies out because no one's reproducing, it's going to be pride all the way down the line. Here is uh, Rachel Levine, a beautiful and strong woman talking about the summer of pride. Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine, and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month, and actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy summer of pride. Hello! Happy summer of pride from me, a beautiful woman! Also, Biden's HHS secretary says that during this summer of pride, you should be reminded that cutting the genitals off your child is a sign of love, the greatest sign of love. 
You know, it, it's it's so it's such an important issue for our youth and adults. As you said, some of these laws are actually extending in, into adulthood. You know, we often say that gender affirming care is health care. Mm, gender say that. affirming care is mental health care, mm. and gender affirming care is literally suicide prevention care. Would that be your view as well? I 100% agree. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, cutting off healthy breast tissue it prevents you from committing suicide, guys. I mean, sure, there's no data to actually support that, but but yeah, why, why, why the hell not? Well, what else can we expect from a summer of pride? Well, you know, they, they used to say that, you know, I was, at a, I was at a boxing match and a hockey game broke out. The joke being, of course, that NHL games are filled with, with casual violence and then fights. That used to be the case back in the 1990s, right? You went to a boxing match and a, and a hockey game broke out and it was very, it was very shocking. Well, during Pride Month, there's a, there's a pride parade and a bunch of pride parade broke out. One of my favorite things about the way that the media have treated these pride parades for literally decades is they just ignore all of the stuff that's been happening at pride parades for decades. Like, oh, there's a nice family-friendly pride parade. It's probably just a bunch of people walking down the street carrying the rainbow flags. And then people would actually show up and it was some dudes and assless chaps whipping each other. And now all of a sudden, because people have cell phones and have decided to notice, well, um, all the footage is, is coming out. And as it turns out, my favorite thing about this is when the left is like, this is not representative of, of pride. Yes, it is. In what sense is it? In what sense is it not? Seriously, it was one of my favorite things about the, the pathetic and, and disgusting White House ceremony featuring the Pride Progress flag flying over the White House or from the rostrum of the White House, from the rotunda of the White House, and a transgender man shaking his fake breasts at people nakedly. Like that, my favorite thing was like, we are shocked that this is happening. This is not like a normal Pride event. Mm, is it though? Is it, is it not? Really? Because I, I feel like you're lying. I feel like that's not true because pretty much all the footage from all the pride parades has some of this stuff. So for, and, and you know what else I'm noticing? I'm noticing that all the same people who are saying, how does it affect your family if, if two men get married are very into like teaching the kids about this stuff. Like they really, really want kids to know about it and in the most egregious possible ways. And now because they feel the winds of change at their back, they're pretty open about it. So here are a bunch of New York City drag marchers literally chanting about coming for the kids. <laughs> We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. Uh, but if you mention that that's actually happening, nope, it's not happening at all. They're just people who want to live in the privacy of their own bedrooms, lead their private lives without being bothered while they march down the street chanting they're coming for your children wearing stripper tassels. How dare you notice? Meanwhile, over in Denver, again, another pride parade where pride broke out. Uh, this would be, um, you know, performers simulating oral sex in front of children. So that's, that's really good stuff happening over there. <laughs> So that is a, a, a man pretending to be a woman and gyrating his genitals at the crowd. Eat it, eat it, eat it. That would be um, simulating oral sex. I mean, are you shocked? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I was informed that it was basically like a church service except with rainbow pride flags. But uh, it turns out not. It turns out that it's all about Sodom and Gomorrah behavior in public. I, I, I cannot believe it. It is, it is a giant shock to find that the absolutely not shocking behavior that, that we are supposed to be not shocked by is happening. I can't, I can't, I cannot believe it. Meanwhile, over in Seattle, you have a fully naked man riding bicycles down the street in the middle. Don't worry. It's just about their privacy. Respect their privacy to shove their genitals in the face of children. 
That's privacy. Privacy is when you take your dick and balls and you wave them in the face of a young child. That's privacy. We used to call it pedophilia. Now it's just a form of privacy. You notice how privacy moved from what we do in our own bedrooms is none of your business to we can abort children and or shake our genitals in their face. Weird how, how that happened. Uh, here is some footage. Here we are, the naked bicyclists making their way down the street to the cheering throngs. Oh, so much pride. So much pride. What a society we've built for ourselves, guys. This is just, this isn't a form of pagan barbarism. This is actually the head of culture. And you got to bring children to be educated so that they can see some, um, some junk. Really, really important. Again, in a better day and age, all these people would be arrested and they'd be thrown in jail for this sort of public indecency. But now it's great. Now it's great. Uh, and I love that in the background are the, are the more subtle and modest people. The Leather Pride Brigade is behind them. These were, this was actually the, um, the, the, the leather pride people are, are the real modest folks. Now, the left is out in full defense of this sort of stuff because, of course, they are because it's a summer of pride, the greatest summer of pride. You might say the most prideful summer of pride. Brian Krasenstein, who is an idiot in the Twitter onlines, he tweeted, quote, seeing a man naked on a bike isn't going to have much of an impact on any kid. They have likely seen their father or brother naked before. Uh, I'm, I'm going to that's not going to be a defense in court, my friend. <laughs> these people exposing their junk to kids like well probably they saw their seven-year-old brother naked that's the same as me a 35 year old man waving my balls in, in the face of a child number one seeing a man naked on a bike isn't going to have much of an impact on a kid right sure check ashley biden's diary for uh, for contrary indications number two sharing an uncensored video of a naked man on a bike to an audience of possibly 30 million kids on twitter is arguably worse than riding a bike naked in front of a kid or two in a planned event the kid's parent took them to so the idea is that you're not supposed to notice that you are, you are wrong. How dare you retweet any of these videos to make it public knowledge this stuff is happening because there could be kids watching Twitter. Well, our point is that you guys have, you guys are thriving in the darkness provided by social media blackouts. That when people notice this stuff, you know what? They don't like this stuff. And there's a reaction to this stuff. That the only answer to a summer of pride is a winter of morality. Number three, says Brian Krasenstein, there are much worse things the average kid will see or hear online and offline in a typical week. Really name them. The typical kid, the average kid, I have a question. Like, really? So I have, I have four kids, right? Nine, seven, three, and, and newly born. I can promise you that my kids are not going to see anything on the order of, an, of a naked dude waving his balls in front of them. Uh, I don't know what, what he thinks children normally see, but it's not that. It's not that. George Takei had, I think, the greatest, one of the great tweets of all time here from George Takei. So George Takei who is famous for playing one part literally his entire career and then saying, oh my, a lot. Um, George Takei, he, he tweeted out, even if there were no naked guys on bikes this year, they would find pictures or generate them and push the same agenda anyway. There's no fixing this by calling for self-censoring. Oh, one of the great tweets of all time. So the idea here is that if you notice that there are naked dudes on bikes, then that, that doesn't mean we should stop doing the naked dudes on bikes thing, says George Takei, because you guys could just generate fake images of that. Okay, this literally applies to all of the things. All the things. Man murders his wife. And you're like, oh my God, we should arrest that guy. He murdered his wife. Out comes George Takei to say, well, even if he hadn't murdered his wife, you could have created an AI image of him murdering his wife. So really, should he not murder his wife? Uh, dude, he shouldn't do the bad thing because it's a bad thing to do. <laughs> but here's the thing. The left doesn't believe these are bad things to do. The left believes that in a world of complete moral relativism in which all moral standards are vague and vacuous, except for the morality that says that you're not allowed to be traditional. 
the transgressive moral ideology that they have now promulgated. In, in that world, the great sin is noticing, not doing. Meanwhile, of course, this is being promoted at the highest echelons of our culture on pretty much all sides. So Bud Light continues to just shoot itself directly in the chest. Uh, they, they decided in Toronto to sponsor the Toronto Pride event. I mean, are they just cruising for a bruising here? Like, what are they begging for? There is a Bud Light float at the Pride Parade. Oh, goodness gracious. Genius level stuff here from the, the Bud Light marketing team. They are so, they are so brilliant. Man. Less smart. Meanwhile, you know who else is being really smart is Disney. Disney's being super smart. So my kids are very, very into Star Wars, like the original series, Star Wars, and now the prequels. Like, they love it. My son actually has a book with every Star Wars ship in it, and he insists that every night I read to him about a different ship in the Star Wars galaxy. He's kind of an engineering mind. He loves that kind of stuff. So here, so, so we would be like a family that would probably be interested in purchasing material related to Star Wars. Here's a piece of material related to Star Wars I will not be purchasing. Disney Star Wars has now cast its first transgender actor in a major role, hiring British male to female YouTube personality Abigail Thorne for a role in the upcoming Disney Plus series, The Acolyte. Because children must be taught that men can be women in Star Wars. It is deeply, deeply important. Abigail Thorne is reportedly set to play a character named Ensign Euros in the series, which is expected to begin streaming sometime next year. So that, that's really, that's great. Here is a video of this person advocating puberty blockers for minors. Very, very necessary. This kind of crap be crammed down to small children by the most powerful cultural corporations on planet Earth. My name is Abigail Thorne. I'm a professional yes. actress from Newcastle-upon-Tyne. I live in London and I'm the creator of Philosophy Tube, an educational show that teaches people about philosophy in a fun way. Yes. I started the show almost seven years ago when the coalition government tripled tuition fees because I wanted to give away my philosophy degree for free. At time of recording, the show has just over 800,000 subscribers. In my most recent video, Identity, I came out as a transgender woman. Oh. Thank you to everyone who kept my secret for such a long time as I prepared to come out publicly. It's very important Disney cast this person. Really, really, really important because like those pride chanters in, in New York City, they are, in fact, after the kids. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like, there is a very good series on MGM+. Plus. It is called The Spy Among Friends and it is about the British spy Kim Philby and the ferreting out of the so-called Cambridge Five, which is a series of communist spies in the British government who were essentially getting hundreds, if not thousands, of anti-Soviet dissidents murdered in Eastern Europe and inside Russia from the 30s to the to the 60s. Uh, here's a little bit of the trailer. Why you let the most dangerous Soviet penetration agent this country's ever known let it on your watch? It's a, it's quite a good series. I trusted most. It is totally and worth the watch. Was a Russian spy. Try to imagine how that might feel. First of all, I love the cast. So it's Damian Lewis who is great. You remember him from Band of Brothers and Guy Pearce, who's also terrific. It's a really, really good cast. And beautifully photographed, beautifully shot. Great sound engineering. Like, it's, it's really worthwhile. And again, it's one of the few... It's kind of weird. Over the past 10 years, Hollywood has suddenly recognized that the Soviets were bad. So it took them until 20 years after the end of the Cold War to recognize that the Soviets were actually bad now. There, there was a movie that came out fairly recently that was all about Soviet atrocities in Ukraine. And it took them only like, I don't know, 
90 years to say that it was okay to, to make that movie. It, the, the death of Stalin came out, I believe, 2017, 2016. So now we're allowed to say that the Soviets were bad after the Soviet Union fell, like a generation after that. We can point that out. The reason it took so long, by the way, is because all of Hollywood was deeply enthralled to the Soviet Union for a lot of the Cold War, for like a lot of the Cold War. The Nazis were real bad, but the Soviets were kind of okay. Not only okay, they were just misguided. And you see the same sort of mentality that now abounds about China in some quarters. Um, and uh, this, this series puts to bed, once again, the theory that the Soviets had uh, anything of value to give to the world. They were one of the most nefarious forces, maybe the most nefarious force in the history of the world. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. So I'm not a big fan of media outlets pretending that aspects of poverty and suffering are actually kind of cool things to do. So CNN International is now featuring, I kid you not, a phenomenon that are called stir-fried stones. And they are saying that this is China's latest street food, street food fad. They, the, that's not a euphemism when they say stir-fried stones. They mean literally rocks that have spices on them. Like, here's the video. It says stir-fry pebbles. stir-fry features rocks as the main ingredient. And social media calls it, quote, the world's hardest dish. People are supposed to suck off the flavors, then spit out the rocks. Hence the dish's name, sodio, meaning suck and dispose. The dish originated in Hubei province and is said to date back hundreds of years. Hmm. It was reportedly passed down for generations by boatmen through their oral history. Street vendors cook the pebbles with spices, chili oil, and garlic on a sizzling grill. Each portion costs about 16 yuan, which is around $2.30. Excited, guys? Would you like to suck a rock? Okay, so um, things aren't going amazing in China, I think would be the takeaway here. It's just, you know, it's just a different culture where you are sucking rocks for nutritional value. Or, or maybe, or maybe things are not great in China. Maybe it turns out that communist countries suck. By the way, try marketing that in America, seriously. You know, it's a thing that nobody will, will eat in America, rocks. There are lot, America's got a lot of problems. People aren't sucking on the rocks over here. All right, you guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined by Aaron Ginn, co-founder and CEO of HydraHost. If you're not a member, become a member and use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today. <laughs> 